You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. Hey guys, just wanted to pop in here real quick before the interview. I had such a great time on this one and was so excited to speak with this guest. Uh, we actually recorded this a few weeks ago, but due to some scheduling hitches and then the uh, you know the holiday, I realized afterwards I wasn't going to be able to post until now. <laughs> so I really hope you guys enjoy this deep and fascinating conversation with a young lady that I was lucky enough to have almost magically enter my sphere. And my sincerest apologies for the tin canniness of the audio. Due to us both feeling a little sick at the time of the recording, we opted as a, you know, just in case to record this episode remotely over the phone. So didn't get to have her here to record in the booth, but still so very grateful she took the time to have this chat with me. I won't keep you waiting any longer. Please enjoy my conversation with believer and experiencer, Lindsay. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Paranorm Girl podcast. I'm your host, Kristen. If you've tuned into this episode wondering what the hell is a conversation with a believer, number one, you need to go back and listen to season one, yo. You just added yourself. I explain it all oh so perfectly there. And that season was all about shadow people. Seriously, who wouldn't want to learn all about that? And second, this episode is exactly what it sounds like, baby. Each season, I take a moment to speak to a fellow human being about the paranormal, their experience with it, what they think, how they feel. The first one was excellent, and I have no doubt this one will follow suit. It's been one of my all-time favorite things in the world to listen to believers and supporters of the paranormal talk about their experiences. And if you are a skeptical believer, such as myself, truly listening and understanding what someone who has been through these types of encounters has to say, it's all the more solidifying and confirming of what and why it is we believe, though we may never have shared in that kind of experience ourselves. And as far as these conversations go, no subject is off the table. This is a place for it all. I look forward to talking with my Believer guest today, and as soon as someone with big enough cojones steps up, I will look forward to speaking with a skeptic guest at some point. As for the show today, I know that we will be jumping to probably quite a few subjects, as my guest has had a really incredible parallel existence right alongside the paranormal from childhood, and we are going to do our damnedest to include it all. I am very excited to talk to her and so thankful she agreed to come on the show. You guys are in for a treat. So without further ado, let's get into it. My guest is a photographer and filmmaker who has spent the past six years dedicated to one documentary that she wishes to remain anonymous. 
As that project nears an end, she's beginning to venture into projects relating to the spirit and interdimensional realms. She has been told by psychics and spirit that she is a channel and plans to explore this in the coming years. Ladies and gents, Miss Lindsay, (laughs) welcome to the show. Hey, Kristen, thanks so much for having me. It's so funny to hear myself be introduced like this because I'm, you know, still very much in the closet as are a lot of people about, you know, being a believer and, and not just a believer, but an experiencer, you know. Oh, Absolutely. Everybody has these stories, but it's, you know, it usually takes one person to step forward and start sharing them first before others will follow. And I'm slowly becoming that person, which is how you and I realized that we shared this. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like how lucky, because uh, like you said, like a lot of people have these experiences a, a lot more than you know, you would even guess, you, you, you wouldn't know it, but everybody has something, some kind of experience with it, even if they're skeptical. But you and I just kind of sort of just randomly started talking about it one day. And, you know, I've, I've known you before. We, we won't say where I work. It is the place that shall remain unknown. Uh, but, you know, you and I have, you know, interacted before and we just kind of started talking about it one day. And, you know, my mind was blown. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm just really appreciative that we met. Yeah, me too. And and the timing is actually funny. Also, if you hear dogs in the background, I have two dogs. And I'm going to try to keep them quiet. But I actually have some funny spirit stories of, about them even. Um, Ooh, maybe I, I can actually just start there since they're making themselves known. Uh, yeah, obviously they want to be on the show too. Go for yeah. it. So basically I started to dream about a fox dog and my dreams are very profound for me they have been for many years and basically I was looking for a dog online and I thought I'm never going to find a dog where's my dog I know it's out there and people would say you know when you know you know and and then suddenly I saw this fox dog. I saw his photo on the screen. I was like, that looks like a fox. And I just knew immediately. I was like, that's my dog. That's yeah. my, and, and here he is. You can you know, hear him terrorizing the neighborhood in the background. <laughs> um, and I love him. I love him so much. And, and I actually um, have had other dreams about him where we sort of go to the same spirit community mm-hmm. at, when we sleep. Like I had a dream recently that I was in this complex that was very um, lush and vibrant and had books everywhere. And it felt like a place to go learn and rest at night. And there was a person giving me a tour and I kept seeing these beings around and we would kind of nod at each other. Like, I recognize you and you recognize me. There was this, this um, kismet that just existed between everybody mm-hmm. that was there, even though none of us were actually speaking or communicating. And it was so funny, the person giving, or the being giving me the tour, uh, walked me outside and there were all of these little uh, jacuzzis spread out about, you know, 20, 30 feet apart. And and people were were bathing and resting and recharging in these jacuzzis. And and then there was a little jacuzzi and my dog was in it. 
was like, what is he doing here? He was sleeping in this little jacuzzi with his eyes closed. Just kind of, yeah. And, and it, it was like confirmation for me that, that he and I are connected on this deeper level and that, that we, you know, go to the same place sometimes yeah. when we sleep. <laughs> I, when you said that, I like the mental image that popped into my head was like this little dog with like his elbow, pl- you know, propped up on the side with like exactly. sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> with like a little like towel waiting for him on the side. <laughs> Actually, it was like full, like it was pretty luxurious. I was like, wow, he oh. must, he must, he's doing great for himself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's living the life, man. He is, he is, and <laughs> and he is so sensitive in general. He's he's always kind of moving energy, like yawning and shaking, and mm. you can just see him. Like he's a very energetic being, and and I don't say this about my other dog, so so don't think that I'm just like blowing this up because it's my dog, <laughs> because I do not feel this way oh, about see, my was, other I dog. Was, I was going to ask you if you had had any, do you have any other dreams about your other dog? Well, yeah, basically, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I'm a little hard on her. I must say like she's the second dog and, and she's not, we didn't click as quickly as my, my first dog and I, but I really, really love her. And I have had a dream. I've had one dream about her and it was bizarre. We were in India and, and actually the dream about my first dog was also associated with India. And so it was almost like there was a portal there of some sort. Um, I've been there once for work. It was a very interesting experience, but um, yeah. So I had a dream about my second dog that she was a huge. And when I say huge, I mean like the almost the size of like a whale huge. She was a big furry cow that had the same fur and the same coloring and patterns as her in this life. Mm. But she was like, she, I mean, in, in India, cows are really revered. They're like, you know, sure, yeah. very, very revered. And so she was like this enormous sacred cow, just kind of like slowly, you know, sauntering down the middle of the street and everyone was kind of like, you know, ooing and awing at her. So I, I give her a hard time. I think she's wise and, and, and spiritual in her own ways. Um, but yeah, both of them. I mean, it's, it's, it's been really cool to, to get to know them. Yeah. You know, and I've thought about this quite a bit, how, because I, I've got four animals myself, two dogs, two cats. I, I have a zoo over here. And, you know, sometimes in our lives, we, we come across these animals, these, these, what become ultimately members of our family, who are just more, they're more, they mean more. They're, they're, I call them my, my soul animal. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's, you know, there's the others that we, we love just as much. They're like children in that way. We love them just as much. We would do anything for them, for their health, for their well being. But you know, you have your soul animal too. That's <laughs> yeah. just, it's yeah, it is kismet, you know, it, you meet on a soul level. So definitely. Well, on that topic of dreams, uh, we touched on it a little bit before, um, that, that you've had some incredible, 
incredible dreams uh, going back since childhood. Um, and we're, we're certainly going to get into all of your other experiences too, but I, I kind of wanted to start out talking about this um, actually, uh, specifically like these psychic dreams that you mentioned. Um, would you be able to, to like talk a little bit about what what kind of experiences are those and then when did you start having them? Yeah, so, well, it would be helpful to have a little bit of background info here. So my grandmother on my mom's side of the family, my mom's mom, she died before I was born. Mm. Um, she'll probably come up a few times in this conversation. She was like the rock of the family, the glue that held everyone together. And she died about two years before I was born. And people always tell me, you remind me of your grandmother. And, you know, if only your grandmother was still around or alive, your life would be so different. And she was incredible in all of these ways. She was an artist and I'm an artist. And, you know, she basically would have helped me make sense of my life had I had I gotten to know her because otherwise I definitely feel like an alien in, in my family, you know, <laughs> like a true, like a true alien. We can go, we'll go there too. But, um, so the, her death was so painful for my mother that she couldn't even speak her name. We weren't really allowed to, I wouldn't say allowed, but we, it wasn't comfortable to speak her name, my grandmother's name in our house. Yeah, And it was, but yet it was this presence that was always there because whenever you looked at my mom, you felt that loss, you know, she just carried it with her and, and still to this day, it was just, you know, a part of her journey, I guess, to, to, to lose that, um, very, very close connection at a very pivotal time for her. Uh, but right. So it was very confusing for me when in high school, I started to dream about my grandmother. And it's not that just that I would dream about seeing her or, you know, I, I would dream about her actually coming to me with messages to give to my mom. Right. <laughs> so I'm suddenly, you know, I'm, I, I probably was maybe 14 years old let's say, I would say, you know, eighth, ninth grade. And the rest of my dreams at that time, at least, you know, as far as I remember, were just pretty basic. They were probably about whatever drama was happening with friends and, and boys and, you know, maybe some anxiety around school. So for all of a sudden, this woman, this spirit, my grandmother, the grandmother, right, that has been this force and this void in my life for, you know, at that point, you know, 14, 15 years for her to show up was very significant. And the first time that she came, I was sitting with a radio, this old radio. I don't even know the word for it, but it almost, you know, it looks kind of like a, like an old telephone or something. And she was speaking through it. And I could hear her voice and I knew that what she was saying was for my mom. And I was furiously writing down what she was sharing. And I woke up the next morning and of course I didn't remember any of it, <laughs> oh, oh, no. which was so frustrating. But, yeah. but now looking back, I'm like, you know, I don't even think it was about the specifics necessarily. I think what she wanted me to communicate to my mom was she has a message for you, meaning she's still here with you and with me because that was a huge source of sadness for my mom that her daughter never got to meet her mother and yet here I was hanging out with her <laughs> spirit 
in dreams, you know, and, and, but I remember not even knowing how to bring that up to my mom because a, I didn't want to say grandma, grandma, you know, I didn't want to say her name, but also B because it just, it, what a weird thing to say. Hey, I was hanging out with your dead mom in my dream last night and she has something that she wants to tell you. And we've never had a conversation like this before. <laughs> and I can't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Couldn't remember any of it, but mm-hmm. and I remember this moment. I remember sitting in the other room and I could hear my mom in the kitchen and I was like, okay, you got this. Like you're going to say something. And, you know, finally I just, came out with it. And I was like, Grandma Doris came to me in a dream and she had a message for you. And I just don't remember what it was. And she just kind of went, hmm. Oh, oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Which I don't know if that was just because of, again, her pain or because she thought that I sounded really far out, but. Yeah. It could have, could have been anything. Well, um, so two things, occurred to me. Um, I, I, I'm glad that you brought up like like the different types of dreams. Like you could have your regular, you know, like I'm in high school, here's the drama, blah, blah, blah. And then you're having these dreams that are more, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. You, so you were able to decipher the difference between the two. Oh, right? very much so. Very, very much so. And, and there are even, I would say more, I, I probably could you know, discern between four or five different types of dreams at this point as dreaming has become a bigger part of my life. But back then it was basically just normal stuff or dead people stuff. And it started with just my grandmother and, and she came again, she came again, maybe, you know, a few months or within the year she came again. And that time, um, I had a VHS cassette in the dream and I was watching it on the screen and and it was a video of my grandmother's hand. And I just knew it was her hand. It was not like I saw her face or I just, I just knew that's my grandmother's hand. And she was writing a message to my mom (laughs) and, and I took the VHS cassette and in the dream, I went into my mom's room and I woke her up and I, and I said, grandma has a message for you. It's on this tape you have to watch this tape. And then I woke up and again, I didn't remember the message, (laughs) but it happened twice and it happened, it happened, you know, it didn't happen again for, for many years after that. But, but what's interesting is that was sort of a turning point in my relationship with my mom and our relationship, both my mom and my relationship to the paranormal Mm. because and, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit here. And I, I hope, let me know if, if this doesn't quite make sense, but I'm just going to follow this. Oh, no, you're fine. Go go for it. We got off to a rough start with ghosts in our house. Oh. You know, literally, <laughs> literally in our house. And so when I was five, my mom divorced my father and she, my brother and I moved to this house and I started to have very strange experiences there. And to the point where I was afraid to go to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I would sleep with lights on in my bedroom. I slept with the hallway light on and the bathroom light on in case I had to go to the bathroom in the night. Like the house was lit up at night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every night. And that lasted for years. And my mom had no clue what to do with me. She 
she actually took me to the eye doctor. <laughs> oh, because you were because you were seeing things. I was seeing things. I was seeing okay. things not just in the house, but also in my own. I guess today I would say my mind's eye. But back then, you know, I would just close my eyes before bed, and it would look like I was uh, flying through space. Hmm. And now people, you know, I have a lot of friends that are that are professional psychics and astrologers and mediums, and we've found each other and. But that, you know, they're like, oh, you were astral traveling. Mm-hmm. But for a five-year-old to be experiencing that and to have no context for what's going on. And right. That would I, be terrifying. It was complete. I Well, so the first time it happened, I ran into my mom's room and she was still awake. She was on the phone with a friend and I kind of threw myself at the foot of her bed and I said, mom, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> I was five. She was like, looked at me just kind of like, oh, God, (laughs) what am I going to do with this kid? You know, she was like, Lindsay, I'm on the phone. I was like, okay. And that was kind of like, that was like, that was a a turning point, I think, where I just, I didn't feel like I could go to her with that, with those experiences. And I think that happens a lot with kids, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they they Mm -hmm. have an experience. Maybe it's the first one that they are conscious of and they go to someone that they trust and they share it and then that trust is broken oh absolutely and it it can totally shut it down you know Mm -hmm. make it dormant for years yeah uh but fortunately you it it didn't it didn't quite bring it to dormancy for you You, no it didn't stop i wanted it to but what's interesting is is so so that went on and on again for years there was this one night where i had a my brother is almost five years older than me. And so back then the difference between a five-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy is like pretty stark. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to sleep with him. I was like, please let me sleep with you. (laughs) He was like, get out of here. (laughs) You know, like, ew. I'm like, please, please, please. He just thought I was so annoying. And, you know, and again, I'm like, I'm seeing ghosts. And He's, he would make fun of me for it, and he would say there was a ghost dog. He would say, "Oh, it must it must be ghost dog," and it became like a running joke in the house where my mom and my brother would blame everything on ghost dog. And maybe that was their way of actually trying to make light of things, but it just wasn't helpful because what I really needed was validation yeah, that what was right. happening was real. But they themselves didn't understand enough to know that it was real, right? So. Right, right. I went into his bedroom one night and he wouldn't let me in bed with him. So I sat in a chair. <laughs> I can laugh now, but like, and, and, you know, maybe someday I'll make a really dark comedy about this period in our lives because my poor mother, honestly, she was really trying her best as like a single mom with, with not a lot of money and two kids that were very, uh, let's say vibrant, you know, in their own ways. And, <laughs> So my brother is asleep in his bed and I'm sitting in a chair trying to sleep. And, you know, my head is nodding and I'm almost falling out of the chair whenever I'm about to fall asleep. And I opened my eyes and I saw a figure come out mm. of this closet in his room. And, and, and I was terrified of this closet anyway. There were certain parts of the house that I just did not want to go near. I actually used yeah. to sleep in this bedroom. It used to be my bedroom. And I made a switch because I just couldn't handle being in that side of the house for some reason. And hmm. so I saw this figure. She walked, I say she, she's wearing a dress, like a white, sounds so cliche, but there's a reason that things sound cliche, right? 
Yeah. People yeah. people dismiss things as oh that's so cliche or of course she was wearing a dress or of course she was glowing but it's like well we say of course because those are the stories. Yeah, was- yeah, or or she of course she was white like the white lady really right. Lindsay. Yes, yes, yes exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But but the reason that we hear these stories so often is because it's just happening and rather than dismissing them because we hear them so often maybe instead we should just look into them and try to you know investigate what's actually behind this oh absolutely absolutely was was that lady um the only like like entity that you saw like human entity that you saw in that house yeah she was it was the only time that i saw it like a like a human form um the other things that i saw were more just like, you know, I would walk into my room and my music box would be like just finishing playing or I would hear the sound of a music box down the hallway. And what's interesting is that now I'm like, oh, I was given those. I wasn't given them, but I was my great aunt had a collection of music boxes. And when she died, all of us went over to her house and everyone picked out a music box. And so in my mind now, and just after all these many years of experiences and speaking to other people with experiences, I'd be like, Oh, maybe that's just aunt Maggie saying hello. And and I don't think that, you know, that I don't know if necessarily someone is in there cranking the music box and then they run out of the room just before you walk in. Right. Because this is what's hard for people to believe. It's like, Oh, what? Like your dead aunt came in and was like, Oh, Lindsay's going to see this. And then she bounced right before you saw her. I just don't, I don't have an answer. Obviously we don't have answers for many of these things, but I'm curious. And it makes me wonder if spirit is able to manipulate uh, matter in other ways, or even just, you know, um, transmit sound, or maybe even, I don't know, are they able to, um, I don't want to say, manipulate sounds malevolent, like a malevolent? Malevolent, yeah. Malevolent, sorry, a malevolent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say manipulate, but, you know, like maybe they have some sort of um, impact (laughs) on matter, I've arrived at the point that I understand that everything is energy. Everything is Mm -hmm. frequency and vibration, everything. So in all reality, you know, maybe it isn't all that difficult for them to mess with something that is innately vibratory and energy and frequency, you know, such as music, such as electricity, such as, you know, you know, turning the TV on and off, like stuff like that, you know, maybe that that is the easiest avenue that they can take to Mm -hmm. get to us to send us a sign or or whatnot. Right. And and also, I mean, so around this time, too, well, okay, so I'll just wrap up this, this, this haunted house story is Mm -hmm. there's the ending to this is actually relevant so there was a little grave in the backyard that I used to like tinker with and they told me that it was a dog uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah it's ghost it must be ghost dog that's how ghost dog came to be I was like oh Lindsay likes hanging out around this grave it's a dog so yeah ghost dog right no it was not a dog it was a human's ashes <laughs> oh yeah and it was the wife of our landlord and she died in the house right before we moved in and that's why he moved out oh wow right oh my gosh yeah (laughs) 
I didn't know this until years later. I was like, what the, like you guys, what you, you didn't tell, but again, they didn't, they just didn't assign any significance to any of these things. Right. But my mom had an experience that she told me about years later. Also, my brother and I were at my dad's house for the weekend and she was alone in the house. And she was convinced there was somebody in the house. So much so that she grabbed, I think she said an ice skate because it was the closest (laughs) thing to her that could be used as a weapon. (laughs) Like, yeah, okay, good luck with that. But, But she had an ice skate and she called her friend and she was, you know, begging her friend to come to the house because she didn't want to go so far as to call 911, but she was very close. Mm -hmm. There was nobody in the house. I mean, no one living. (laughs) You know, I've, I've been there. I have been in situations where I am convinced someone else is there. And it's, (laughs) it's kind of dumbfounding when you realize, nope, there's nobody else here. What is going on. So I, mm-hmm. I understand where your mom would have been at that moment. Oh yeah. And I, and I think it was really eye opening for her, of course, because mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, Oh, maybe my daughter isn't just doing these things for attention. I think that she thought I was looking for attention. And, and I, I really, again, I feel for these kids and I, and I feel for my younger self because how many experiences that children go through, whether it's experiences with the paranormal or real sickness is chalked up to oh they're just looking for attention rather than no they're they're human beings just like all of us adults that are going through very complex mm-hmm. multi-dimensional experiences they have bodies they have spirits they you know they have all of the same fears as we do in these little bodies and and you know they need guidance and they need just a someone to to hear them out and and acknowledge that what they're going through is real. And so I think, you know, that was a moment for her where suddenly it was like, Oh yeah. Okay. But but she didn't tell you about this until later. Right. You know, much, much, much later. I've heard that kind of, uh, you know, a sense of like way that it has played out where parents, you know, children grow up in a haunted house, things are happening, blah, blah, blah. The parents are shutting it down for whatever reason, you know, maybe they're afraid, maybe whatever. And then later down the road, they come out with, oh, well, this one thing did happen to me, you know, that they conveniently forgot to tell you before to validate what you were feeling, what you were going through. But from what I understand, your your mom and, and your father, they were very grounded in religion. Is that accurate? Well, my, my dad definitely was. Okay. My mom was like, when my grandmother died, God died for my oh, mom. Wow. Yeah, which is, which is problematic in its own way because I'm definitely not religious. But I think, I mean, for me, it's been, it's added many layers of, excitement, intrigue, comfort, whatever it is to my life to consider that there's something, you know, and that's just because that's for me because of my experiences. And my mom kind of shut herself off to all of that for many years. And I think she just kind of felt like she was floating in in a a meaningless, cruel abyss. (laughs) That was life, you know, and right. So I wouldn't really recommend that either. But my dad, I mean, he used to tell me, this is funny. This isn't exactly paranormal, a paranormal, but my dad used to tell me that Jesus was going to come take me. He was going to save me. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. And this was around the time that I was living in that haunted house. So I was like 
I'm truly trying really hard not to swear right now, but oh I, hey, we're we're not on any major. You're you're fine to swear. And I, yourself, I did lady. swear. I did swear when I was five because I spent too much time with my aunt and uncle, and they were a very bad influence on me. <laughs> but I had a lot of fun at their house. It's a miracle that I survived. But I I would say shit. I would actually say it like shit, like it's Jesus, like Jesus is here, like. I, and I was like, no, 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 no. Like, no, Jesus, leave me alone. I don't want to go with you. I'm five years old and I want to hang out with my friends and I have hopefully like a long life ahead of me. And I was just so afraid that he was going to come take me. And, oh, man. and so I did pray. I would pray at night. And, and it's interesting though, you know, because I will say, I, even though I, I don't think I was praying to the person that I thought I was praying to. I, I was communicating. I was communicating with something. Something was hearing me. And and who knows? I don't want to blame everything on my father. <laughs> but, but, but who knows? Maybe that fear, maybe that fear that he instilled in me, that fear of God actually attracted some weird energies that were coming around you know i think it it may have contributed i don't think it's you know i don't it wasn't actually jesus from what i have you know learned and and experienced you know with and of jesus as as an adult he was like a pretty chill guy who like loved everyone and was fighting for the poor and hanging out with the sick and wanted everyone to be taken care of so i i don't know which jesus my dad was or is worshiping, but I did not want him around. <laughs> and you yeah. know, there's 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 just so much uh, ingrained fear in that story, mm-hmm. you know, in the Bible. I don't talk a whole lot about religion itself on my show. While I do personally believe that, yeah, yeah, there is something, there's something going on. I, I, I do, as of this point, believe in an afterlife. I believe that, yeah, maybe the stories in the Bible, they could have happened that way. I don't know. They were written by a bunch of men, you know, however mm-hmm. many years ago. Um, but the, the stories themselves are fine. They're, they're fine. You know, they, they're, they're good tales. They have good meaning behind them. And if people were to actually follow, you know, the good aspects of it, that would be fine. You know, religion wouldn't have been as atrocious over the centuries as it has been mm-hmm. on people. Um, but it's it's just when maybe your your father was, you know, following the the alternate version of events, um, this horrible God, this horrible, you know, that, that Jesus wasn't caring about the poor, wasn't, you know, socialistic in nature, wasn't giving and loving and all, you know, uh, encompassing. Um, so maybe that's, that's so there's, there's certainly a lot of people who do follow that Mm -hmm. route, you know, for their own purposes, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's served him in, in ways. And what's really, really interesting is that my dad, I would say, and I've begun saying this to him because I'm more courageous now as an adult, but I would say that my dad is psychic. Oh, and I would say that his mom is psychic. And, and this is, this could be a much longer and different conversation, but, but for me and my family, I wonder how much for them, their religion is actually a comfort and an explanation for what it is that they're experiencing that they can't otherwise explain. (laughs) Right, right. Because they both, I mean, my grandmother, my grandmother has told me about actually seeing spirits and clearing them. (laughs) I'm like, um, excuse me. (laughs) 
Yeah, but for them, it's all like good, evil, and that's about as complicated as it gets. So that's right. about as nuanced as it gets, right? Right, but right. Very, very black and white. Very black uh, and white. It's God, it's the devil, it's good, it's evil. And mm. and yeah, I mean, my dad has had premonitions. My dad and my grandmother both have incredibly vivid dreams. And so now I'm like, oh, of course I've had these various experiences in my life because it runs in both lines in my family. And my mom, and, and so this is kind of picking up where I took a little detour before, but, you know, my mom, around the time that I started to tell her about these dreams about my grandmother, a friend of hers was having a, a group psychic reading at her house. And she asked my mom if she wanted to come. And my mom went. And, and I, I will never forget this because at that time, again, I'd had these dreams, but, you know, I wasn't in it in the way that that I am now and I was waiting for my mom to come out of this reading and when she opened the door from this room after after speaking with this woman for maybe a half hour she was shaking her whole body was trembling and you know the the woman the psychic shared a lot of things with my mom that there's no way she could have known otherwise she spoke about some a recent death in our family and the type of wine that was that was shared and celebration of her death and how happy the spirit was that that we had celebrated her death in this way and she told my mom that I was about to go on this life-changing trip that summer and and I was I was leaving the country for the first time that summer and all of the, so many things and and so my mom that was kind of a turning point for her and, and it is for many people right you need that personal direct experience absolutely you know and and it can either happen spontaneously like in the event you know like that you know a ghost shows up in your dreams and or you see something or i mean there's there is a way to seek out these experiences and that is finding a psychic to to speak with but uh, you know there People and myself included do have reservations around that too, because it's like, well, what kind of information am I going to find out? And what if I hear something that I don't want to know? And I have experienced that, you know. And yeah, or, or what if it's what if it's all baloney? You know, I what mean, if it's it, all baloney? There, there are psychics out there that are just, you know, vampires. Oh, They're yeah. not the real deal, and it's kind of hard sometimes to separate the wheat from the chaff, especially if you're new to this. You don't know what to look for. Absolutely, and that's why at this point, you know, when I was in my early twenties, I used to just kind of wander into random psychics. I lived in New York City, and. They're everywhere, right? <laughs> I would see the little neon sign with the palm and I'd feel so intrigued and I'd go in and, you know, and it usually wasn't a positive experience. And so something I've learned, and, and I wish I could tell this to my younger self and to younger people now, like just it, it is a very vulnerable, intimate, risky exchange to be in with someone. And, and, and at this point, I only sit with people who I know are highly trusted by people that I trust. And, and those experiences have been life-changing. And I mean, so, so the real, real turning point for, you know, with all of this, with me and my relationship to the paranormal for my mom and her relationship to the paranormal was around 2012 and 2013. And for whatever reason it was then, and it, so my mom gifted me a psychic greeting and we went and we sat with this woman and it was incredible. She 
again, new things that nobody could have ever known. She, you know, she asked me if I had an uncle named Alan who had passed and I did. (laughs) And he had died in the seventies. And so that wasn't like public information that she could have found on my Facebook or something. Yeah. It's pretty specific. too. Very specific. And she said, you know, uh, he thinks that you should make the movies yourself. And at the time I was thinking about making uh, scripted narrative movies about my family and in my hometown. And I was going to give those stories to these guys I was working with at the time who had kind of convinced me that, you know, they were like the chosen ones to, they would be the directors. And, you know, I was just kind of like the, the girl hanging around, giving them all of her really good ideas. It was like this classic dynamic. And she was like, no, like Alan says that you should, you can do this. You can direct these. And she said, don't forget the scene with the bees. And when she said that, that was just, oof, I get goosebumps right now just saying it to you. There is a story from my father and his brother's childhood involving bees <laughs> that haunts me. They were, att- they were attacked by bees. And my grandfather could only grab one of them and he grabbed my uncle because he was younger. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like an early rift in the relationship between them because my dad was kind of left to fend for himself, even though he was still a child. And, and so when she said that, I was just like, wow, he's definitely here. And she described his voice, the way he spoke. And of course, I don't know, but she was like, he sounds like he's from the South. I was like, well, we're, you know, we grew up in a, a rural farm town in, in upstate New York, which sounds like the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. does. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and yeah, so, and, and my grandmother came through. And for my mom, this was just, this was just huge because again, we still couldn't really speak her grandma's name in the house. But this day, this psychic, one psychic reading changed everything. She, all it took was my mom needing confirmation, not from her daughter, because who am I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but from this, but it is significant to hear it from a stranger, to hear these details shared that, that really confirmed for her that she was around. And, you know, I'm going to mention a miscarriage, so I don't know if anyone, you know, has a hard time hearing that. So you're going to skip ahead for a few seconds. But my brother and his wife had just lost a baby. And the psychic said, um, the baby is with your mom, to my mom. The baby is with her. She has the baby. Oh, and wow. she, they had just lost this baby. So we knew who she was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and she said the body just wasn't right this time. And, and she'll be back she'll come back. And she did. She's, you know, seven years old now and she's amazing and she's psychic <laughs> and she has psychic experiences. She talks about, she used to talk about her past lives and, and she's with us now, but that was just, you know, and, and this is what, for me, I'm passionate about this topic for so many reasons, but I think so much of our life and my life included is ruled by this fear of death, the fear of our own death, the fear of the death of our loved ones, perhaps even more so that fear. Yeah. But when we have these direct experiences and this knowing that there's something beyond this, there's a comfort that comes and, and, and the liberation that follows that, that comfort that really just kind of shakes things up. And I think that's really, really a powerful place to orient 
oneself in the world. Imagine if we just weren't afraid of dying because we knew that we were going to come back or we were going to go somewhere else or that we were going to be with our loved ones again. I mean, right. You would, you would think that more, um, more of the science side, uh, would be desperately trying to, you know, give us a better answer than, you know, Oh, lights out all done. Um, you know, that's, it's, it's incredibly <laughs> scary, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm in that group too, you know, it's, it's an incredibly scary thing to think about. So yeah, maybe I'm, I'm kind of with you too. Like, that's why I'm so fascinated with this whole world, you know, and like, you know, on my end too, I feel like it's all connected as mm-hmm. well. So like, if you could just prove one thing, one aspect of all of this, then it just opens the doors to the rest of it, ultimately opening the door to, yes, there is an afterlife. Yes, there is more beyond this. Yes, you come back, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for Which sure. Would, yeah, that would be absolutely comforting. And this is a little conspiratorial, and but I'm just going to go with it. I really think that humans, we humans are, are disempowered in many ways. And sometimes I wonder if that's on purpose. <laughs> you know, I think fear is very dangerous. And I think the fear of death is, you know, again, the, one of the more crippling forces in our lives. And, and, and you know, I don't, I don't want to say beyond that, but alongside that, is just this connection with the bigger picture, the other side, the many sides, however many sides there are, and maybe even other life forms that are not necessarily human as we know it. And I think that there's a lot of information. I don't want to say I think that because this is actually a fact. I'm playing it really safe here because I'm used to having to do that in my normal life. But a lot of this information has been buried and and I, there's been this stigma that's been cast <laughs> on this topic. And, you know, there's a reason why I didn't even want you to mention my last name, right? Because I work with a team and we're working on a project that could be compromised <laughs> if it was made public right now at this point in my life that I even entertain such thoughts. And and that is very telling <laughs> that, that we with our own personal direct experiences feel like we can't even speak freely about them because we might be smeared or punished for them in some way. And there's a history behind that, you know, there's how did, how did, you know, how were their seances being held in the white house? I'm staring at this book right now in my bookshelf. It's called occult America and it's by Mitch Horowitz. It's, it's an amazing book. And it says, uh, Occult America, White House seances, Ouija circles, Masons, the secret mystic history of our nation. How did it go from being, and he's, Mitch Horowitz is an incredible historian. He, I mean, he's just incredible. And he could speak to this a lot better than I can. But, but the reason I mentioned this is because how did it go from being, you know, in the White House to, to now being just made into some joke that no one wants to touch or be associated with. But yeah. And at the same time, do you think like, like, was that very openly, you know, well known though, or was it a little bit more, 
you know, cloak and dagger too. Like, yes, of course it was, you know, happening and in the White House, you know, they were taking that, you know, as as information, you know, extra information or whatever. But you know what I mean? Like was it very publicly known and accepted? It wasn't it wasn't very publicly known, but What's interesting is that I think the, the what really interests me about this is that the people who have the power draw on this power. Right. Still. And yet, if we just look at the way that the paranormal has been depicted in the mainstream, it's been made into this a joke, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it makes me wonder if there is, you know, again, this is very conspiratorial thinking. I'm not saying that this is a fact, but it just makes me wonder. I'm like, is there... Does it benefit some people or organizations on this planet? Does mm-hmm. it benefit them to cut us off from this this knowing and this the other like very large percentage mm-hmm. of our lived experience? Yeah, you know, you know, without really knowing. I just have an impulse to say yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, otherwise it's just really hard to explain. I mean, obviously the witch trials, there there are reverberations from, from that. And people were, you know, burned for working with herbs. You know, it's like, I mean, we have to really, we have to really own our place in this greater history and and I don't mean own as in you know we have to punish ourselves for it I think there is some atonement still that needs to happen on some level you know uh, and not I don't mean just against witches but against all of the people that were seen as disposable or threats to society right the outcasts um but I think it's it's worth it's worth considering the the impact that those times had and, and that they're still having in more subtle ways. You know, like I grew up seeing uh, Miss Cleo on television. I don't know if you do you remember Miss Cleo? I, I, I do, I do. Yeah, and maybe she was totally legitimate. I have no idea. But but that is our that's our collective idea. That's the imprint that was made as far as like, this is a psychic, it's a person who looks into a ball and usually has, you know, long think fingernails. And some people do that. And it's, I have friends who have totally just embodied that, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that stereotype, like it proudly, they're like, you know what, we're going to take it back. But, but for the most part, it, it really just delegitimizes the field and the powers in the eyes of the public and, and especially a skeptical public that has been, really conditioned to lean towards mistrust and and non-belief, <laughs> disbelief. We are going to run a little long today. I hope that's okay with everybody because <laughs> this is, I can talk you know, about this all day. <laughs> no, I know. And, and, and it's like, it's like opening all these possibilities in my mind. I'm sitting here like that meme with all the, the math, you know, signs floating around my head. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause this opens so many different conversations that we mm. could have. We could literally do a conversation with a believer with you, Lindsay, every season <laughs> henceforth. But um, what I want to do actually is steer the conversation because there is something 
mm-hmm. that you are very interested in, you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I kind of want to dive in a little bit. Um, okay, do, let's go for do, it. Do you know where I'm going with this? I know exactly where you're going with this. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So, let's do it. All right. So uh, two two parts to this that I kind of want to mesh into one. Uh, one, the the use of certain psychedelics. Yes. Is, is actually fairly common throughout the world of the paranormal. And I understand you have had some really incredible experiences regarding that. Uh, you know, I guess just talk about it. What, what has been the impact of that on your life, on your spiritual journey? Where is that leading you? Oh, my goodness. It's, I mean, <laughs> I'm in awe and I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. I'll find the words, but I'm speechless. And I think that's telling it's, it's been huge and, and similar, you know, on, we don't have to backtrack, obviously I know we're moving forward, but as far as like burying things that could benefit us, I think that psychedelics could definitely be put in that category as well, because what are the chances that there's this substance, you know, psilocybin magic mushrooms that grows on the planet that a plant that has been made illegal and it has lended me some of the most magical, awe-inspiring, transformative experiences of my entire life. And, and it's illegal. Right. <laughs> that's very strange. So anyway, moving on because we already did that, <laughs> but you know, that's very strange. I think that's especially because alcohol is illegal and I've seen terrible things happen. No Absolutely. people who have died from alcohol and yeah. But, but psilocybin, bad, bad, bad. Like, don't connect with God. That's bad, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I the my, my first few experiences with psilocybin were just mind-blowing because I was, I was um, having um, – I was prophesizing, basically. I was in, in one case, I was telling a friend, this is what's going to happen. This person's going to call us. And he's going to have an idea for a movie and we're going to have a lot of meetings and the movie's going to be about this and, you know, on and on and on. And he was looking at me kind of just like I was, a, you know, like I had 10 heads because neither of us were even working in film at the time. And sure enough, that's what our life became. And when the call came, he kind of <laughs> called me and he was like, oh my God, I got the call. And I was like, told you. <laughs> and on that, during that same mushroom trip, we saw this man. And he walked past us and as he was leaving, I was yelling at him. I was like, see you later. And my friend was like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. Like here we are, like looking like we're out of our minds. And we were, which, you know, I think people could benefit from once in a while because my mind doesn't always know what's going on, you know? It's yeah. And, and so we were out of our minds, but here I am shouting at the stranger, see you later. He, and my friend Pat was like, shh. And, I was, and then I started to say, see you tomorrow. I was like, see you tomorrow. I didn't even know why I was saying this. And sure enough, the next morning we wake up and my car has been towed. I'm like, oh my God, it's pouring rain. My, my Somebody tells me where my car probably is. Don't even know for sure if that's where it is. We borrow a car. We drive to this this uh, junkyard where my car is, presumably, and we're waiting in the lot. There's nobody else there, and then a car pulls up next to us, and it's the guy from the day before who I was yelling Whoa. at. See you tomorrow. 
Whoa. Yeah. So that was that was my first mushroom trip, and it was just kind of like, okay, there's something going on here. What is up with this? And and then and then after that, I was I was living and working on Martha's Vineyard for a year, and I was working for a photographer out there, and and I had a few trips there, and that's when the spirits really started coming in. <laughs> okay. I was okay. like, oh wow, okay. So in one case, I was like kneeling over this cliff looking at the ocean and all of a sudden this uh it looked almost like a prism just kind of like opened up before me going off into the distance and all of I could see I could see empty space it was very fractal and it was you know it was like a reflecting light it wasn't empty space it looked like a like a grid of energy it looked like how we kind of like depict what we imagine Wi-Fi to look at or something. It was this system that just filled all of it, all the way up, 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 every direction. And this portal opened. It was like a little tunnel whoop, into the distance. Mm-hmm. And I heard a voice in my set, in my head that was like, hi. And I was like, hello, <laughs> in my head, you know? And then I was like, is this real in my head? All of this was telepathic. I was just thinking, and this is the thing that's confusing, is I think a lot of what we think are thoughts might not necessarily be ours, but we're just not attuned to discern between the different thoughts or the communication that's happening in our head. I didn't hear it like a voice being whispered in my ear, hello, I'm a ghost, I'm here, I'm a spirit. It sounded just like my own voice in my head, but because of the substance that I was that I was working with, because of psilocybin, I could very, very clearly delineate between what was my thought and what were other people's thoughts. And so when I say people, they were beings. It was like, yeah, we're here all the time. You can talk to us whenever. Mm-hmm. We're always here. We're always trying to talk to you, but you can't hear us because there's so much noise. <laughs> And you're not giving us the space <laughs> to communicate with you. And, and then they also reassured me, whenever you think of us, we are right there immediately. It's not, they're not, you don't have to call them woohoo from afar and wait for them to like ride in on their like horse or get on their little, you know, jet or something. It is immediate. They are right there. So these were just spirits, spirits yeah, so coming those through. Were general finally. spirits. Okay. Yeah. I was, I would say like maybe like a guide that was sort of like the entry point into what then followed. So then what followed was a friend of mine. She had just died of a brain tumor. She was maybe 20, 21. I didn't know her for long. When I met her, she was dying. So it wasn't like it was unexpected, but it was still, you know, it was strange to befriend somebody who was so young and who looked like she could have been my sister and and she was dying. Yeah. And so she showed up. And and it's not that I heard her voice. Again, I just knew it was her. Yeah. She was like, hey. And she shared a lot of that I can't really share. It was related to my boss at the time who introduced us. She was just kind of like, wow, like I didn't know he was such a jerk, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't anything like really profound, but it was actually validating for me because that was something that I was like really like dealing with in my personal life at that time was coming Mm -hmm. to terms with that year that I'd given this person like of my life and so much of my energy. And it felt like just very like unappreciated and sort of like taken for granted. And, and she was like, I see, I see what's, I see, I know what's up. Like, Mm -hmm. 
And then she was like, you know, basically used to joke about going dancing. She would, when, when she was alive, she would say, when I beat this cancer, we knew she wasn't going to, but she had the most incredible outlook. She was like, when I beat this, we're going to go dancing. And so she was just like, let's dance. Like, let's just dance. Like, we can still dance. Like, oh, wow. like dance with me. Like, like, let's dance. Yeah. And like, I feel like I'm going to have to do that after we, after we get off our call because it's like, <laughs> there's still, there's, you can still. The sense was like, we can still be together. It's just, we can still get to know each other and I'm here for you. And, and what was wild was I knew my grandmother was there, like the grandmother, right? The one that I've mentioned. Right. I knew she was there, but she was hanging out in the background. Like she gave Nikki, my friend Nikki, the space. She kind of just let her come in and she was just, I knew she was there. And so it's funny. I've always like heard that from psychics where they're like, you know, oh, like, you know, so-and-so's here, but they're stepping aside. Or like, I had a a reference point suddenly. I'm like, oh, that's what that means. Like, I don't see her sitting physically behind Nikki. I just know in my core that Mm -hmm. she's somehow here holding space, but she's letting her come in. You you could just discern the the feeling. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And it didn't require thinking. And this is, again, why I think the human mind is so problematic or the way that we've we've been programmed to use it, I would say, like, because it wasn't like some like logical thing that I was thinking about. It was this, everything was immediate and it was just a deep, immediate knowing. This is what's going on, very matter of fact. And then what's wild is, so the person I was with in real life who I took the mushrooms with, my my very, very good friend, uh, her mom died when she was a teenager and her mom came and she, she kind of made herself known. She showed me these earrings. Like I saw an image of earrings that my friend wears that were her mother's. And I was like, oh, so her mom is here. That was like the, the clue. Mm-hmm. And she basically was like, tell my daughter that I'm okay with her father moving on, you know, romantically moving on and being in another relationship. And, and so I told her that afterwards. And I think it was within the month, maybe even like a couple of weeks that her dad called her and told her that she was getting remarried actually. Oh, wow. And so she kind of had a heads up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's like, that was, I would say the next step. And then the, the next even more dramatic step was that I, on another mushroom trip and, and I, I want to say too, I don't think that mushrooms are something that you should just like willy nilly be taking all the time because you can lose your grip on reality. Right. And there's a reason we're here. And so I don't want to, I don't want to like, share this information in a way that's irresponsible because I think like any substance like alcohol um, or even cannabis, uh, these things need to be used wisely, right? And responsibly. So I would take them like every, like at that time, every four months, let's say. Now it's more like once a year and and I want to get more back into it. But so the next experience I had, I was lying on the beach. It was, it was cold. <laughs> My eyes were closed. And I was shown this house that I spent a lot of time in as a child. And I was running through the house and I burst open the back door. And the, my field of vision was completely white when the door was thrown open. And I knew that 
light that I saw was the owner of that house. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she was my grandmother's friend. And I was like, oh, it's Rosie. And I was bathing in this white light. And I was like, oh my God, she's here for me. Like she's looking out over me and she's protecting me. And I just felt her like, you know, loving, warm embrace, you know, not physically, it was freezing cold. I was like shivering on the beach, but I, none of that mattered because this was like so much bigger and deeper than, than that. And and then this other light came and I knew it was my grandmother. And and it's it's a strange thing to say, but I felt like, and I still feel like today, that I have met my grandmother because I was, I felt her presence. I felt her spirit. And and that was a that was a very big moment. That and then ultimately there are two orbs, energy orbs of light merged into one huge pulsing ball of light. And I was like, oh, they're together. They're looking out for me. It's all good. And and like all of my stupid human worries just kind of just washed away. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. You know, I, with the experiences that you've had, like you could literally at this point, you know, write a book, you know, do, do a movie where, or like, you know, a, a video of some sort where you can kind of teach people somehow how to like begin to open that side Mm -hmm, to themselves, mm -hmm. uh, be able to decipher, you know, the things like the dreams decipher, you know, what is my thought versus what it, what is, uh, you know, information that is just coming into my mind. Um, You know, know, our, our brains are, it's not necessarily that they're programmed, although they are, you know, from childhood, Mm -hmm. but they're just designed only for, finite information everything mm-hmm. it has to have an end everything needs to be boxed in that's why we can't conceptualize you know what's beyond the edge of the universe what's beyond <laughs> yeah. that you know things like that we we just cannot conceptualize it in our day-to-day way of thinking so thankfully uh, there are you know substances on this planet that grow naturally there mm-hmm. are you know spiritual gurus that have found the way and can teach you so you know and maybe you know maybe your your future that lies somewhere in there i don't know well yeah i mean i, I do get curious about this and and this is i'll say like the final installment of the let's this is i'll say the pinnacle of this conversation that'll be relevant in a couple of moments that were but the most, the, I don't want to, I don't want to really create a hierarchy in my mind of, of meaning, but because meeting my grandmother was incredible and all of this was incredible, but I would say the most, the most shocking and mind blowing experience that I've had in my entire life. And, and it was on psilocybin was when I was in a little cabin with my boyfriend at the time and we took the psilocybin and we both just lay down on the ground on little mats and closed our eyes. And this is the thing. People imagine magic mushrooms like, woo, Woodstock, like, like, woohoo, like, you know, just like frolicking and, and flowers. And, and it can be that. And that can be very beautiful to feel so in love with and connected to nature. And that's important because we need nature, <laughs> you know, and that's beautiful. And I don't want to demean that. But there's this other way of engaging with these substances that are incredibly therapeutic and and mystical on a whole other level that is the inner world of the inner experience. And so we were just lying there and all of a sudden I was seeing inside my brain (laughs) and I saw my brain and it looked very technological. 
it looked, and I would describe it as hardware. <laughs> it looked like a computer. And I saw and felt these beings that were attuning my brain and my system, and they were upgrading it. And they were working on these deep, 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 deep levels that I can't even comprehend. Mm -hmm. At, uh, but on psilocybin, I could. And that's the interesting thing, because once you come back to this reality afterwards, it's like, wait, what? How do I even put words to these things? But so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe what happened, but just imagine that there's like a thousand times more information that I can't even put into words. <laughs> right, right. Go ahead. And so I'm lying there and I'm seeing and feeling these beings working on my brain. And I see <clears throat> this really, really sharp crystal point streaming light that is shooting up, 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 all the way up to like the highest point. And all of a sudden these beings started to speak through me. I was speaking out loud and thankfully I had a witness because I never would have believed this, but they were speaking through me and they basically told me, <laughs> this is so funny. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Um, <laughs> they were like, you know, they're basically what we would describe as aliens, but that's not a good, a good enough word. And I'm trying to come up with a better word, other dimensional beings, mm -hmm. something like, something like that. And, and they, they basically were like, earth is engaged in a spiritual war and we are invested in it. And many other energies and beings are invested in it. And we're on the team for uh, good <laughs> mm -hmm. for there's, there's a team, there are teams that are for destruction. And then there are teams that are working that are influencing humans that are for um, reconstruction, let's say regeneration, building life, thriving. And I don't want to go into all the details because it was pretty dark and harrowing, but they basically were like, we have the ability to shape the world that we live in with the stories that we choose to tell. And they were like, you, Lindsay, are a storyteller. <laughs> You're a messenger. And we've given you these tools filmmaking because it can reach a lot of people and you're like you're you're in this war everybody is in this war and on some level they're they're engaged in this war this spiritual war and yeah they shared a lot of information they identified themselves as the pinnacle and they you know basically yeah they spoke through me for i don't know maybe like 10 minutes but it felt like a lifetime and when i came out of it I thought, what the hell was that? It felt like the most wise, way wiser than me, <laughs> mm. the most wise, old, ancient, like all-knowing, all-seeing force. It was very comforting. I felt like I was in good hands, but I started to doubt it immediately. I was like, what is, like aliens communicating through me, the pinnacle? What is this? A spiritual war? <laughs> storytelling, you know, like what is all of this? And so the really, really wild part is that about a year and a half later, I was sitting in an airport. I was in Los Angeles and I was about to fly across the country and I was looking at my phone like everybody does at the airport, just waiting mm -hmm. for my flight to board. And I'm, my phone starts glitching, which it, you know, does sometimes because it's old or at least that's what I tell myself. And I kid you not, 
you can't make this up. But I'm looking at my phone and a podcast episode pops up on like, you know, the Apple podcast. It's the, the, the title scrolls across my screen and it says, Ashley Wood, the Akashic Records, the pinnacle. And I was like, the pinnacle? Because I had sort of thought about the pinnacle from time to time, but I also sort of like written it off as like, oh, that was just like, it must have been random. And so I listened to that episode and everything that this woman described, she channels the pinnacle, was exactly what I had experienced. The numbers that they associate themselves with is the number four. I'd been seeing the number four everywhere. Everyone in my life knew about this because I was like, why am I seeing fours everywhere? I feel like a crazy person. Like, am I literally losing my mind? And she's like, yep, they work with the number four. This is how they present themselves, like in physical form. If they come to you in dreams, I had seen those beings before. I'm aware of other people in my life now that I would say are, you know, from this, this energy cluster or whatever you want to call it. And, and it all makes sense now. But for me, that was just that was huge. There were, I never imagined that that experience could ever be validated by another person. And yet there she was talking about it, you know? And, and so, so moving forward and, and what they told me, and so yeah, looking ahead and what they told me also was you are a channel, Lindsay, that you don't need mushrooms to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that the, a film that you make in the future, like next big project is going to be about this very experience. Wow. This, this very experience wow. of channeling. I don't know if it's working with them in particular or just channeling in general, or, or maybe it's that and psychedelics. I don't know yet. I think it'll be revealed yeah. in time. Yeah. Is this, but, is, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry to interrupt. Is this something that you, that you have started to piece together to start to work on? Or is it, are you just waiting until it does reveal itself completely? Um, I have started to work on it slowly. I'm I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now as I speak. I have acquired books that I definitely did not have, you know, three, four years ago before this unfolded. And then this is the thing. And this, this is what I just love reminding people in my life about this. I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe I sound like I'm totally out of my mind again. And maybe you think that this could, you could never speak like this, but I didn't, I wasn't born this way. I mean, maybe I was right. But I didn't come out of the womb talking like this or like having books on channeling or books on the Akashic records or thinking about like extraterrestrials and like ingesting mushrooms and communicating with them. Like the who I was even 10 years ago, I was so far from this. Yes, I was having dreams, but I was dismissing them. You know, I was just like, oh, I talked everything up to being random and... (laughs) And and this was not this was not who I was. Now I know that this is who I was destined to become. I feel like I'm like waking up from the dead. <laughs> I feel like I'm waking up from like lifetimes of sleep. And it's probably because, you know, my my own mother and my father and my grandparents, like how many generations have just been like shushed and cut off from this, you know, it feels like really enlivening to to be to be coming back in, into touch with this stuff. And, and so I am starting to do, um, you know, I'm starting to do more research and I'm starting to, you know, I'm just attracting, it sounds so like new agey, but, but it's just true. Like I meet people, like even you, I meet people in my life. Like the more I own this, the more people I come into contact with who, 
are incredible and who have their own experiences and their own skills that are very different from mine. And, and, and I think that that is what is so incredible about this realm is like, it does seem like there are really no limits to it. And that doesn't mean that we should write it off as not being real. That just means that there's this whole like (laughs) rich, like infinite landscape out there that we could all be living in and, and at least communing with (laughs) and, and, and asking questions of and making offerings to that, that I think would, would really serve us. And, and it's, and it's right there. And, and I'm excited to venture more deeply into it. And as this current project comes to a close again, it's, it's been six years. I really think that my life is going to more and more become about everything that we just talked about. Well, I certainly hope so. I, I will be first in line to, uh, consume that whatever work (laughs) comes out of that that's incredible um i i think that is a wonderful place to uh kind of wrap that up unless you have any other anything else that you wanted to uh any other experiences you wanted to get in before we go to our our outro today anything you really any messages you wanted to get across I mean, I guess the, the last thing that I'll say, and this is more of like a shout out to all of the practitioners who whose life's work, you know, has put them on the front lines of the paranormal. <laughs> a lot of my friends who are in this line of work are going through this crisis right now where they couldn't run from their calling as hard as they tried. And yet they're just not really respected and that's a really hard place to be in. They have people coming to them constantly, asking for things from them, you know, uh, spiritual consulting, psychic readings, communicating with, you know, deceased loved ones. Like everyone wants something from them, <laughs> but yet they don't want to pay them for their work, even though it's really important work. And 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 it's like, if you if you want something from someone so badly, you know, in the form of a psychic reading, let's say, then, then doesn't that have value? (laughs) You know, doesn't that, doesn't that have value? And, and I, and I think it's also tough because, you know, one of my best friends is this incredible reader and her clients, a lot of them are professors and some of them are doctors and intellectuals and very, you know, quote unquote, successful people who will never go to bat for her because they don't want to admit that they consult with a psychic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing that I'll say like on that note is like, if anyone has the opportunity to like, to support or validate someone in their life who's going through something like this, whether it's their child who's seeing ghosts or it's their friend who's an astrologer who's, you know, people are always trying to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Just like, I, and I'm speaking to myself here too. I hope that in the future, especially given all that we're going through as a planet right now, that we can start to shed some of this stigma and shame and like shadowness <laughs> around this world and, and just start to, to own it more fully and and speak about it with the respect that it that it really deserves and I get curious about what that world looks like when that shift happens. My gosh, well thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. I can't say it enough. Thank you for coming on today. Um, where can people find you to follow along with your work uh, with The Pinnacle and your channeling? So I just started an Instagram. <laughs> so there's nothing there yet, but I think, you know, I created the container with the hope that that would, you know, jumpstart me actually owning this and doing it. So having some followers would definitely help. It's it's like the, the pressure, I, I, I benefit from pressure. You know, it, I think a lot of people do healthy pressure, encouragement, let's say, you know. So, so the, the handle is Sayeth, S-A-Y-E-T-H, Saren, S-E-R-E-N. And now I feel like the last thing I'll actually say has to explain this. Sayeth, Saren, I heard in my mind, uh, I was very sick for many years. And in one of my sickest moments, I was very, you know, quiet because I just didn't have the energy to even think. And in that quiet, I heard, saith Saren. And this was in 2013 around all, you know, the time when all of these things started shaking up. And again, I was, I had, my head was so deep in the sand that I didn't even think to Google. (laughs) What does that mean? Sayeth is more self-explanatory, right? Says, say, Saren, S-E-R-E-N, is star in Welsh. Says the star, or the stars say, and the pinnacle, they are, and what I've learned from this other channeler, associated with the Pleiades star cluster. So as far back as 2013, these little hints were being dropped in and I just yeah I'm glad that I'm listening now I could have started listening sooner but here I am (laughs) yeah so sayeth Saren is is the the handle and I'm just gonna be you know an anonymous person because it's not about me it's not I don't want fame from any of this this isn't what this is about you know it's it's about whatever they have to say and just serving as a vessel and getting that out into the world and, and having fun with it all right. At Sayeth Saren, I will definitely be following you once we are done wrapping today. And uh, anybody listening, go follow her. Add to that pressure. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's good for her. Um, so, all right, Lindsay, thank you so much thank again. You. Really yes. appreciate it. And that is going to be a wrap for this episode. Uh, if any listeners are interested in being on my next conversation with a believer episode i do one every season so reach out let's connect find me at at paranorm girl pod on any of the socials or just email me at paranorm girl pod at gmail.com my door is always open uh much thanks to some of the new ratings over on the apple podcast platform y'all rock i appreciate it more than you know If you haven't yet, please give this show your digital version of a thumbs up, dude, by rating and reviewing on whichever platform you are listening. And briefly, before we sign off, tune in on the very next episode for the season two finale, where I will officially be wrapping up my thoughts on the Mandela effect. We've gone over the theories, the skeptical side, the effects themselves, residue, flip-flops. Let's put all that we have learned together. At long last, my final conclusion, y'all, be there. And with that said, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.